Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day, the opportunity to be here to hear different messages, to get different insights on how to grow in knowledge of who you are and how to apply this model of agriculture in our own lives, that we might be able to um, know your calling for us, to understand the education that you've set in place, and that we might be prepared for the work that you have for us here and the higher work above. Settle our minds. Lord, as we look at these things, I pray for your spirit to guide and direct, to fill the hearts of the people that are in this room and those that might hear it later, that they might be taught of you, that you would hide me behind the cross and it not be my words, but that I would be a tool in your hand to speak to your people. We thank you that you are so intricately interested in our day-by-day walk that we can share each of our concerns, each words that we hear, all those things that we're going to say, that you will guide and direct us in these things that we might walk according to your will and your purposes. So be with us now, teach us and lead us and guide us into all truth, I pray. And again, I ask that we not just be hearers, but that we would put these things into practice, that you would, that you would help us to have courage and strength to apply these things Though they may be new and strange and difficult, you will give us the tools we need and you will make the way. So we thank you for it in Jesus' name and for his sake we pray. Amen. All right. Well, this this, uh, lecture is titled, First the Blade, Then the Ear, Then the Full Corn in the Ear. Um, People are probably familiar with that statement, it's a, a popular statement, Mark 4:28. My thoughts on the statement, we'll kind of see some of them, but in general, my thoughts on that statement is, is this is a process of maturity. We're supposed to mature in Christ. And so we will take a look at that as soon as we look at the parable of photosynthesis. So... I'm going to start with this statement. In the growth of the seed in the soil, man cannot see the working of unseen agencies that develop the plant to perfection, bringing up first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. But, though young in the faith, you may know that you have passed from death unto life if the fruit of the spirits are made manifest in your life. If you are growing in faith and hope and love, you may know that your spiritual vision has been cleared. If you delight to dwell upon the plan of salvation, upon the glorious manifestations of the divine character, if your heart in contemplation of the love of God glows with thankfulness and joy, you may be sure that you have been illuminated by the beams of the Holy Spirit. And heavenly agencies are bringing your character up to maturity in Christian life. You may not realize that you are growing up into Christ, your living head. Your part is simply to submit your ways and your will to God. You are to trust yourself fully to God, knowing you cannot make yourself grow. So, we're going to look at the process of maturity, and we're going to do it through the parable of a plant because yesterday we learned we see Christ in every spire of grass we see him in all the things around us 
And so we can learn of him through plants, through nature, through the living parables that are all around us. Like I said, we're going to, we're going to, this is more about this statement goes along with this particular lecture, but I'm going to step back and we're going to look at the parable of, of um, photosynthesis. <laughs> Sorry about that. Uh, um, first, we'll start with John. John 1.4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And so we were looking at photons yesterday. If you weren't here, it, it'll be posted up. But we were looking at photons and how photons are have kind of this dual reality. They have, they're a wave and they're also a particle and how that symbolized Christ is physical and spiritual and so on. And so we were moving forward from that and we read this quote. This quote would be from Sons and Daughters of God, page 281. The Lord has made every provision so that we may have a rich, abundant, joyful experience I'll give it a second here. Let, let them come in. Hello, everybody. All right. I'll start over. The Lord has made every provision so that we may have a rich, abundant, joyful experience. Isn't that a wonderful thought? In spite of all the crazy things that go on in the world and in our own lives even in spite of the bad decisions we may make ourselves sometimes, he's made provision for us. John writes concerning Christ, said, said, John writing, let me write, <laughs> John writes concerning Christ, saying, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. Life is associated with light. And if we have no light from the Son of Righteousness, we can have no life in him. But this light has been provided for every soul. And it is only as we withdraw from the light that darkness comes upon us. Jesus said, He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. In the world about us, in the world about us there can be no life without light. Were the sun to withdraw its shining, all vegetation, all animal life would have an end. Now think about that. Did everybody notice, I pointed it out yesterday, but for all the new folks, did you notice what kind of sun we're talking about? Who wasn't here yesterday? Raise your hand. Does everybody notice what sun we're talking about? We're talking about Jesus Christ? Righteousness of the sun. Why is it spelled S-U-N? Why is the Son of Righteousness S-U-N? I don't know, I was in another class today and they changed it to S-O-N. Really? That's what people say a lot, that it's sometimes... We need to be careful about that. Revelation warns about jots and tittles, <laughs> let alone letters. So, I, this struck me. I'll just say this struck me. It's always been something that I've kind of wondered about. Why the Son of Right? We're not sun worshippers, are we? Anybody? No. No, okay, we're not sun worshippers. And so why the Son of Righteousness? It's very intriguing to me. Anybody else here intrigued? No one's intrigued? Some, maybe? Some are intrigued? All right. So, did I, did I leave off at the bottom one there? You're right, but this life has been provided. 
Okay, I'm there. All right. But this light has been provided for every soul, and it is only as we withdraw from the light that darkness comes upon us. I read that already, but do you catch that? Now, hold on. Do you ever feel like you're alone? Now, how could you possibly feel alone? Because the only time the light leaves you is when you do what? When you walk away from it. So if you're feeling alone, that should be a warning sign. You need to reconnect it with the Son of Righteousness. That's because the Lord is reaching down into your heart. And He's trying to grab hold of us. Each one of us. So I'm going to pick up where it's underlined and highlighted down here at the bottom. In the world about us, there can be no life without light. Were the sun to withdraw his shining, all vegetation, all animal life would have an end. Now, if you were here yesterday, and if you weren't here yesterday, I talked about the photon. You know what a photon is? If you were here yesterday, you can't answer. <laughs> what is it? It's a light wave? From where? From the sun. And that, that light wave isn't just a wave. It comes in discrete units. What's a discrete unit? It's a particle. If you were here yesterday, you're not supposed to answer. It's a particle, and a particle comes in discrete units, which means it comes in packets, which is not a wave. A wave comes as a continuum. And so light, we know, we know very little about light, but as we try to explain it, this is how we explain light. And so we can recognize that light is different. It's unique, and it has this duality. Just like Christ had a duality, he was that... With one hand, he had divinity, and with the other hand, he had humanity, right? And he was that connecting link between our Heavenly Father and our sin-sick condition, right? So it goes on. This illustrates the fact that we cannot have spiritual life unless we place ourselves under the beams of the Son of Righteousness. If we put a flowering plant in a dark room, it will soon wither and die, and so we may have some spiritual life and yet lose it by dwelling in an atmosphere of doubt and gloom. Well, we're going to find out a little bit about this light. This is uh, the last part of this verse, Sons and Daughters of God, page 281. We are called, as was John, not to take the place of Christ, but to witness to the light to direct the mind of others to him. Let no one who would witness for Christ make himself prominent and seek to attract the attention of the people to himself, but let him strive to lift up Jesus. You know, you know what a star is? What's a star? It's a sun. But if you're on earth and we go to Hollywood, what's a star? What's the city of lost angels? We think of things in terms of, of self-exaltation, of lifting self up. But when we see this son of righteousness, 
shine upon us. We're not to lift self up. We're to reflect Christ. Right? We're to draw men to Christ, not to self. I said, I think it was yesterday, I said in one of my classes, we win people to with, what do we win them to? What we win them with. If I win you to me, you're lost. If I win you to some methodology, if it's not Christ's method alone, you're lost. We need to win people to Christ. It goes on. Humanity has in itself no light. Apart from Christ, we are like an unkindled taper. Like the moon, when her face is turned away from the sun, we have not a single ray of brightness to shed unto the darkness of the world. But, isn't that a great word? Especially when something seems so... uh, But, when we turn towards the Son of Righteousness, when we come in touch with with Christ, the whole soul is aglow with the brightness of the Divine Presence. We can rest in Jesus Christ. Though we may be All this stuff may be new. All this stuff may be frightful and fearful. How am I going to make all these transitions and changes? All these things are so new to me. He says, Child, I have you in the palm of my hand. All you have to do is put your foot in the water and I will part the way. Amen? Amen. So, photosynthesis. This is a profound thought because photosynthesis is how new energy enters into our sphere, this, this earth. I was reading a book the other day and it talked about entropy. Does anybody know what entropy is? Entropy is the unwinding of the sun. I'm saying that in an artistic way. Entropy is when energy is dissipated. It's to its form where it's no longer useful to us and it's dissipating off and it goes out into the solar system to never return. And so we need new energy on a constant basis because we take energy, we use energy, and we use that energy up, and it never goes away. Energy never goes away. It transfers. It trans- you hit this, and that energy goes into something else, right? Transforms, it moves. But ultimately, when it comes to its end, it's going to dissipate off into the atmosphere and go out. So as it goes out, there's something constantly coming in. And that happens through photosynthesis. Photo means light. Synthesis means to put together, which means making things with light. Now that's kind of might not sound like that big a deal, but it's actually a really, really amazing thing because what happens without light? We just read it. All things die. Everything would die without this. Every animal, every plant, and us. all about light. The New Age movement is all about light. They're, they're, you know, I think they see something, they're confounded and confused about the reality of how it actually works. So, photosynthesis is CO2 plus H2O plus photons. Does everybody know what CO2 is? Carbon dioxide. H2O? Water. Photons we learned yesterday. Photons are Light particles and waves, yeah. Something like that. (laughs) 
So when photosynthesis happens, there's these reactions we call light-dependent and light-independent reactions, or light reactions and dark reactions. What that means is, is there are reactions that are dependent upon the photons, dependent upon the light, and the other ones don't happen in the darkness, but they don't depend upon that light for their work. Does that make sense? Okay. Now, photosynthesis is extremely complicated. Like, probably graduate work has been done on photosynthesis, and we still really don't understand it really at all. So I'm going to be pretty vague and pretty simple, so things might not be fully explained, but we will get the point of what we're trying to get to. Is that fair? Okay. But one of the things we'll want to know is that photons plus water is water, there'll be a process called water hydrolysis where the water molecule is split. And when that happens, it creates products like ATP and NADH, NADPH. And what it does is it, ATP is adenosine triphosphate and that is the same energy you use when you move your arm or when you stand up or run or walk. You use ATP. You convert sugar into energy with phosphate group. The phosphate actually breaking off a phosphate group of that adenosine tri, meaning three phosphate groups. So you have an adenosine molecule with three phosphates attached to it. When you break a phosphate off, there's more energy released. So you have energy. Now, the O2 is going to be broken out H2O, right? So we're going to get this, or I'm sorry, the carbon dioxide, the O2 is coming from there. There's another reaction called the Calvin cycle, which happens in the dark reactions, or the light independent reactions. And they create this glycera, uh, I was saying it right earlier, glyceraldehyde 3-phosphate. So this is another form of energy. And so this is how we create energy. But ultimately, what we want to know, you don't really need to know all that, but what you need to know is that we're going to create carbohydrate. Does everybody know what a carbohydrate is? Carbohydrate is a sugar. And when we make that sugar, the O2 is going to be left over and we call that oxygen, molecular oxygen. So carbohydrates is the fuel for all life. It's the basis of all energy storage. It's the simplest form. Does everybody here, have you ever heard of... Um, um, Atkins. No. Um, no, no, no. When people have heart disease, oftentimes they have uh, high triglycerides. Triglycerides and, and things of that nature are part of the conversion of sugars to fats. Right? And so we have long-term storage that is fats. And we have short-term storage that are in carbohydrate form. It's obviously more complicated than that. But that's the general theme. This is the fuel, though, the essence. This is where all our energy comes from in photosynthesis. And then we have the O2. If you were going to be on an Atkins diet, what would you not eat? Carbohydrates. And what is everybody on the, what's the first thing they say they can't have? Bread. Bread. Why do they say that? 
because bread is fundamentally carbohydrates. And that would make bread a carbohydrate, which would make carbohydrates the bread of life. Now, I'm just suggesting that. But we'll see if that plays out. In John 6, 31 through 52, it says this. I think it should say 51 and 52. 51 and 52. I don't know. I must have written that down wrong. The three. It's supposed to be a 5, 1, and 5, 2. Sorry. John 6, 51 and 52. It says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give him is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Anybody ever read that? So Christ is the bread of life. Photosynthesis comes from the sun of righteousness. And it creates carbohydrates, which is the foundation of bread. And, and also in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Because the bread of life is the Word of God. And we talked about yesterday, Ezekiel, or Jeremiah, and we talked about John, and what did they eat? What did they eat the scroll, the, the little book, the roll? Do you remember that? So what are you supposed to eat? These are parables, right? So a parable, we're getting the parable of photosynthesis, and we're seeing that photosynthesis is really talking about the plan of salvation. But what are we supposed to eat? We're supposed to eat the Word of God. What happens when you eat something in the health message? What are we told? You eat something, and what happens to it? It becomes a part of you. It becomes your blood. And we just read here that we're supposed to eat His flesh and drink His... It's not there, is it? But it is. You know, you know the text. We're going to drink His blood. Amen. But you know what that O2 is? If you don't have O2, what will happen to you? You will die. Because you need the breath of life. Do you see that? Isn't that amazing? What's the breath of life? Prayer. Prayer. Amen. The breath that comes from God? Life. Look at what it... A living soul. And look here. John 20, 22. It says, And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. We talked about that yesterday. We talked about the breath being the water and the breath. You know, when you want to clean your glasses, you breathe on them, you get a little moisture on them. And we were looking, but we were looking at it too, what, in the morning yesterday, we were looking at the structure of soil and how soil is structured and how that's the breath of life and the, what's, that, what's the other part? Organic matter, Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the organic matter, but what was the, the 50%? The dust of the ground. The dust of the ground. And the dust of the ground and the breath of life and the Holy Spirit is breathed into them. That's how soil is structured, you know. So... You didn't see that. Go back and check out that lecture. I'll tell you something else about a plant. After it does all this photosynthesizing and it's got all this sugar and it's 
It's going to what? Store it all up? Put it in its barns? Keep it? Plants give back 50% of all they produce as root exudates. They push all that out into their, their community. They give. It takes to give. Where do we get it, though? Where did they get all that to give it? From the Son of Righteousness. From the Son of Righteousness, from the Holy Spirit, right? That outpouring of the Spirit that overflows. Remember I talked about what organic matter was? Does anybody remember what I said organic matter was? I don't, maybe I didn't get to it yesterday. Look at this. I didn't get to it yesterday. It was in the part that we didn't record. It says, when this process works correctly, the plant will produce high levels of secondary metabolites. Does anybody know what a secondary metabolite is? It's the immune system of the plant. Did you know plants had immune systems? The secondary metabolites are things like this, such as lycopene, resveratrol. Everybody know what resveratrol, lycopene, those cancer-fighting agents, all those things that are purple, the red, the lycopene's red in tomatoes. Those are the, the antioxidants, the... Those are the things we want so that we have strong immune systems. When that happens and the plant's functioning at a high level and it's pushing all these, these root exudates into the root zone, like um, we're going to find out here, it will produce lipids. Does everybody know what a lipid is? It's oil. It's fat. And when we're sick and we have a sore throat, what do you do? You don't go to the doctor? We read a quote yesterday about the doctors, didn't we? We use essential oils. Things like what? Oregano oil. Where did oregano oil come from? Oregano, right? Obviously. And so they start producing these oils. And we see these, these oils are powerful. They have great medicinal properties. And they start pushing these out into the root zone. And when they start exuding those these lipids out into the root zone in such large concentrations, and I'm going to finish reading this, that it will exude them into the root zone and, and the fungal population will begin the humification process. Does anybody know what humification is? When it breaks down the soil. When it breaks down the soil. And what's it breaking down? The organic matter. The lipids. The oil. It's going to take that oil and these... these these, all this fungal hyphae, all this fungal is going to digest these oils over and over and over and it doesn't give it back. It just keeps redigesting it and this is the humification process and it becomes humus. Who's heard of humus? Who's heard of humic substances? Humic substances are the most, they're, they're fulvic, who's heard of fulvic acids and humic acids? Do you know that those are fulvic substances? But there's another fulvic substance. There's no way I'm finishing this. There's one called human. Did you know there's an element called human? H-U-M-I-N? And when you use um, alkali substance to extract humic substances from the soil, it will kill the human substance. It, it neutralizes it. But the human substance has an... Everybody here know what a CEC is? A cation exchange capacity? That's the positive, your cations in your soils. Those are cations. Those cations, there's also an anion exchange capacity, which is the negative charge. 
I'm giving you too much information, Michelle says. You can rewind and listen again. Go test it all and prove it. But that usually is a really small percentage of the soil structure. But this human substance, it's almost equal with the cation equivalent in your organic matter, your capacity to hold like nitrogen, which we off-gas and we leach into the water supply, all these anions, phosphorus, which is a very, very, when it leaches into the water supply, is very toxic. It's one of the worst things that we get algae blooms and we have these dead zones in the Gulf. But when we have the human substance in there, it has a really strong anion holding capacity and it will hold those substances so we don't lose them. Isn't that amazing? So because the plant does all this, it creates this substance in the humic substance. Organic matter only makes up about 5% of our, of our soils, but it's the glue that holds our soils together. It's literally the glue. And it's things like glumalin. Get it? Glue, malin. It's the glue in our soils. What's the glue that holds us together? It's the Holy Spirit. Did we, we did the soil profile. Because what's the oil? The Holy Spirit. Aren't these parables just phenomenal? I mean, they're just mind-boggling, and they're amazing. So, once we have this photosynthetic engine process going, and we got these root exudates, we should probably look at roots, shouldn't we? I mean, it just seems so natural. In Proverbs 12.3, it says, A man shall not be established by wickedness, but the root of righteousness shall not be moved. Oh, man. Isn't that beautiful? In Signs of the Times, March 27, 1893, paragraph 2. Filling is helplessness. Do you feel your helplessness? I've had a lot of people tell me, man, I'm learning so much, it's almost like overwhelming. We don't know what to do next. And you're right where you're supposed to be then, right? Filling his helplessness, the young Christian is to place himself in the channel of light and improve all the opportunity that are gracious, are graciously bestowed upon him, that he may give a deeper, that he may gain a deeper experience and to and take deep root in Christ as the plant roots in the soil. His faith must increase. His consecration be maintained. His love be made perfect as is represented by the blade, the ear, and the full corn in the ear. His zeal, did you see that word? Zeal. Someone asked me today, do I have ups and downs in my Christian walk? You know, you're on fire for the Lord sometimes and sometimes you're not. I want to share something with you. If you're having a roller coaster experience, it's because you're having a bad experience. It's because your lower passions are in control of your higher powers. And you're making your decisions based on excitement and emotion. And we should be principled. Our higher thinking, our higher powers should be in control of our lower passions. Our higher passions are beautiful and wonderful. Christ had them. 
But if they're in control, you are out of control. Because you have to be in control of them. We'll move on. His faith must increase. His, consec- his consecration be maintained. His love be made perfect. Perfect. As is represented by the blade, the ear, the full corn in the ear. His zeal should be ardent and tireless. And with unwavering trust in Christ, his growth may be unmarred. Did you hear that? We move with all that we are. We sell all to buy the field, don't we? And we're going to buy that pearl of great price. That pearl of great price, Christ. Did you know that Christ went to the market and He bought that pearl? And it was you? And He wants you to be unmarred. He wants you to rise to that high calling. You know the problem? You can't change your heart. But you can put your will on His side. You can take your higher powers and you can choose by principle to do that which is righteousness and not let those lower passions control you. And you can be unmarred. It is a promise. You have to do one thing. You have to put your will on His side. You have to remain connected to Christ. Every thought, every word, every deed. And this is what you get. It goes on to say this. For a genuine experience will result in the development of a Christ-like character. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the parable of agriculture is teaching us something. Christ wants you to be a blade. And He told us it was perfect in its sphere. But it is a process of maturity and you are perfect all along the way. And He wants you to bear full, mature fruit. And He said, I will do this in you. He loved us so. He sent His Son that He might be our example. And you know what Christ had? He never once ever had His lower passions in control of His higher powers. Maturity. Christ Object Lessons, page 82 and 83. The gradual development of the plant from the seed is an object lesson in child training. There's first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. Are we talking about three-year-olds? Yes, we are. But are we talking about 60-year-olds? Yes, we are. He who gave this parable created the tiny seed, gave it its vital properties, and ordained the laws that govern its growth. This is a parable about a seed, about a child. You're his child. Know ye not that ye are sons of God? Daughters of God? Sons and daughters of God? (laughs) What a lovely thought. 
He who gave this parable created the tiny seed, gave it its vital properties, and ordained the laws that govern its growth. Your growth is ordained of God. And the truths which the parable teaches were made a living reality in Christ's own life, in His own life, it reads. He's not asking you to do something that He Himself is unwilling to do. In both His physical and His spiritual nature, He followed the divine order of growth illustrated by the plant. Did, did, did you just hear that the plant is the illustration of the order of growth that Christ had? as he wishes all youth to do. Amen? Amen. Amen. Mark 4.28 For the earth bringeth forth fruit to herself, first the blade, then the ear, after that the full corn in the ear. It's a process of maturity, yeah? I don't have the quote on this until we get to the end. I forgot to put it in my notes. I must have missed that, sorry. I'll give you the quote after we finish reading whatever many pages this one takes. He who gave this parable created the tiny seed, gave it its vital properties, and ordained the laws that govern its growth. Oh, maybe I messed up here. Oh, I must have put this on there twice. I apologize. That was the last one. So that, okay, let me skip. I had five lectures. Sorry. Let me skip over that one to the next one. All right, here we go. And I still don't have that one. I'll give it to you when we get to the end of it. The parable of the seed reveals that God is at work in nature. So we were talking about the seed in the last quote, right? There is life in the seed. There is power in the soil. But unless an infinite power is exercised day and night... The seed will yield no returns. Every seed grows, every plant develops by the power of God. We've learned that all along the way as we've been going through these classes. If you've been here with me or if you've listened, you can go back and listen to them. Who's the seed? What did we just learn the seed was? The word of God. It's the Word of God, but what did we just learn? It's us, Christ, the child, that the parable of that seed was a child, right? We just read that in the last quote. Did we not? Pardon? It is implanted in us. When it's implanted in you, what happens? It bears fruit. So when it's implanted in you, it's Christ in you? And Christ is that child? And He's the model of what child? His brothers and sisters. And He's your brother and sister. Amen? Christ is our brother. Let's finish this. Every seed... Okay. The germination of the seed represents the beginning of spiritual life. And the development of the plant is the beautiful figure of Christian growth. As in nature, so, is gra so, so in grace. There can be no life without growth. The plant must either grow or die. You're either up or you're dying. 
we have this experience, we're having a dying experience. As in nature, so in grace. I read that. As, it, as its growth is silent and imperceptible, but continuous, so is the de development of the Christian life. At every stage of develop development, our life may be perfect. At full maturity, it does not say that. What's it say? At every stage. At every stage of development, our life may be perfect. Theoretically perfect? Kind of, sort of perfect? In a... No. No. We can abide in Christ. Pardon? It's in Him. We abide in Christ. It's just like fruit on a tree. As it grows, at each stage of growth, it's perfect. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. We're told it's perfect in its sphere. It's a process of maturity. But we can be perfect in our sphere. With all that we know, we can be obedient. Yet, if God's purpose for us is fulfilled, there will be continual advancement. Sanctification is the work of a lifetime. As our opportunities multiply, our experiences will enlarge and our knowledge increase. We shall become strong to bear responsibility and our maturity will be in proportion to our privileges. Amazing Grace, October 2nd. That's the quote. The plant grows by receiving that which God has provided to sustain its life. This is what you were inferring. Our connection with Christ. The plant grows by receiving that which God has provided to sustain its life. It sends down its roots into the earth to drink in the sunshine, the dew, and the rain. It receives the life-giving properties from the air. So the Christian is to grow by cooperating with the divine agencies. As the plant takes root in the soil, so we, so we are to take deep root in Christ. As the plant receives the sunshine, the dew, and the rain, we are to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit by constantly, constantly, that word means without end, constant, by constantly relying upon Christ as our personal Savior, we shall grow up into Him in all things who is our head. Amen. What happens when the head is below the body? What happens when we put the body above the head? Our lower passions are in control of our higher powers. Christ is the head. Christ is supposed to be in control of our lower passions. What brings maturity? What brings the fruit to ripen? The Holy Spirit. Amen. How do we read it? The latter rain. Last day events, page 192. 
It is left with us to remedy the defects in our characters. Whoa, hold on. Who is this left to? To us. To us. You have to put your will on God's side. Amen. This is your work. He will not force your will. He will not take your will. When we pray, Lord, take this from me. Do it for me. He says, I love you. And love is a free will offering. He cannot take it from you. You have a will and He will not take your will from you. It is left to us to remedy the defects in our character, to cleanse the soul temple of every defilement. Then the latter rain will fall upon us as the early rain fell upon the disciples on the day of Pentecost. Did you, do you catch that? It's, it's 4.52. I believe we're supposed to... I have till five. All right, we've got a few more moments. This is on the latter rain here. This is from Review and Herald, March 2nd, 1897. Many have in great measure failed to receive the former rain. They have not obtained all the benefits that God has thus provided for them. They expect that the lack will be supplied by the latter rain. When the richest abundance of grace shall be bestowed, they intend to open their hearts to receive it. They are making a terrible mistake. The work that God has begun in the human heart in giving His light and knowledge must be continually growing forward, going forward. Every individual must realize his own necessity. The heart must be emptied of every defilement and cleansed from the indwelling and, and cleansed for the indwelling of the Spirit. It was by the confession and forsaking of sin, by earnest prayer and consecration of themselves to God, that the early disciples prepared for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. The same work, only in greater degree. Are you ready? Only in greater degree. Must be done now. Because we will only be ready if we sow a seed that is equivalent to the harvest we desire. Then the human agent had only to ask for the blessing and wait for the Lord to perfect the work concerning him. Let me read that again. I want you to think about that. The same work, only in greater degree, must be done now. Then the human agent, at that time, at Pentecost, then the human agent only had to ask for the blessing and wait for the Lord to perfect the work concerning him. It is God who began the work, and he will finish the work, making man complete in Jesus Christ. But there must be no neglect of the grace represented by the former reign. Only those who are living up to the light they have will receive greater light. Unless we are daily advancing in the exemplification of the active Christian virtue, we shall not recognize the manifestation of the Holy Spirit in the latter reign. It may be, does everyone know this? It may be falling on hearts all around us, but we shall not discern or Receive it. 
it goes on. At no point in our experience can we dis dispense with the assistance of, the, of that which enables us to make the first start. The blessing received under the former reign will reign are needful of us to the end. So there will be no great outpouring at the end that will be lacking the early rain. If the seed doesn't germinate, can it bear fruit? If this recede, if it, if it goes into drought halfway through the season, will the plant produce fruit? Is the parable true? Yet this alone will not suffice. While we cherish the blessing of the early rain, we must not, on the other hand, lose sight of the fact that without the latter rain to fill out the ear and ripen the grain, the harvest will not be ready for the sickle. Everyone's familiar with Revelation 14. And the labor of the sower will have been in vain. Divine grace is needed at the beginning, divine grace at every step of advance, and divine grace alone can complete the work. There is no place for us to rest in a careless attitude. We must never forget the warning of Christ. Watch unto prayer. Watch and pray always. There is, this is my words. We read earlier. Go back and listen. There is no room for jesting and joking. When you're at war, it's not funny. We are soldiers of Christ. And it is by constant connection, ever bearing understanding of the battle that we are in. Because it's not so much about us, it's about the vindication of our Heavenly Father's character. We have this high calling that we can glorify God. That we can show a dying world the character of Jesus Christ. We must never forget the warning of Christ. Watch unto prayer. Watch and pray always. A connection with the divine agency every moment is essential to our progress. We may have had a measure of the Spirit of God, but by prayer and faith, we are continually to seek more of the Spirit. It will never do to cease our efforts. If we do not progress, if we do not place ourselves in an attitude to receive both the former and the latter rain, we shall lose our souls and the responsibility will lie at our own door. This parable will not fail you because Christ gave us this parable that we might know Him. That we might know Him in such a deep way in such a profound intimacy that everywhere we look when we're walking around, we will constantly be reminded of our connection to our Heavenly Father and that what Christ has done for us is immeasurable. 
So Michelle, Michelle is making reference to Mary Magdalene when she poured out that oil and she took her hair and cleaned the feet of Christ. And Judas Iscariot, you know, he held the bag. He wanted that money, the value of that oil. And Christ said, let her alone. And when everybody abandoned Christ, and He's hanging on the cross, we're told, He's all alone. The Father's back has been turned. He could smell that, that anointing because He was anointed for His burial. Mary Magdalene. Not like Joseph of Arimathea. Not when it was of no value to Christ, when it was, He's dead. And what's the value of anything to a dead man? But while He was alive, she poured out all she had onto Him. And you too, when that time comes and you hang upon the cross, because you will be lifted up as an ensign, because it's Christ in you. And if you be lifted up, if Christ be lifted up, He draws all men unto Himself. It's that oil. All those treasures you've mined out. All that time you spent in the Scriptures. All that time you spent in the garden learning these things. Understanding these parables. Those are the things you're going to cling to. That's the gold. It's going to be the pearl of great price. A connection with the divine agency Every moment is essential to our progress. Amen. In Matthew 6.17 it says, Ye shall know them by their fruits. Sorry, Matthew 7.16. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs from thistles? Review and Herald. September 18, 19. Thus Christ presents the false union with Himself in contrast with the true. Those who have not a living connection with Christ may, to outward appearance, be in fellowship with Him. Their names may be enrolled on the church books, but they are not members of His body. They do not bear fruit to the glory of God. You shall know them by their fruits, Christ said. Do men gather grapes from thorns or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Are these parables true? When people tell you, oh no, don't be so hard on yourself, brother. Don't be so hard on yourself, sister. We should be weeping over our behavior. We should be broken. We should be on our knees pleading for our hearts to be changed. Why do we have a love for this world? Why are we attracted to this world? The only way we can be attracted to this world is if we do not know something more beautiful. If you don't know something more beautiful, you have not met Christ. Even so, every good tree bringeth fruit, bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. 
A good tree cannot bear for, bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. I might have read that wrong. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. Wherefore, by their fruits shall ye know them. Christ has provided means whereby our whole life may be, unbro be an unbroken communion with himself. But the sense of Christ abiding present can, can come only through living faith. There must be a personal consecration to him. Self must be hid with Christ in God. Then the grace received will be constantly imparted as a grateful offering to God. In this union, Christ identifies himself with man before God and the heavenly universe. But as many as receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Even to them that believe on his name, our sins are reckoned to Christ. Listen to that. Our sins are reckoned to Christ. His righteousness is imputed to us. We are made the righteousness of God in Him. Because of His atoning sacrifice, our prayers go up to the Father laden with the fragrance of Christ's character and one with Christ. We are accepted in the beloved. Christ's connection with his believing people is illustrated by this parable as by no other. We should study the lesson that we may know what the parable sorry, what the parent stock is to the branch and in what light the Lord regards those who believe and abide in Christ. Let all contemplate the completeness it is their privilege to have and ask themselves the question, is my will submerged in Christ's will? Is the fullness and richness of the living vine, His goodness, His mercy, His compassion and love seen in my life and character? When men see you, Daniel was humbled into the dust. Are you familiar with this? Daniel chapter 8. <coughs> Daniel chapter 8, he beholds Christ and he's humbled into the dust. It's a vision he has. It's called the Mare vision, the Mara. Mare. It's the same word that they used when the women gave their looking glasses to make the laver, the mara, the mare, female, masculine. When we behold Christ, we look into a mirror. And what you're supposed to see when you look in that mirror is Christ. Because it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. 
Because when the world looks at you, it shouldn't be you. Heavenly Father, You're waiting for us. You're longing for us to be a people. You want to do this work in us. Father, help us not to kick against the pricks. Let us not fight against you. Lord, help us to see what you're offering. Let us consent to put our will on your side that you might do this work, that you might finish this work, that you would prepare a people to stand, that this world might see something in your people, Christ in his people. The last message to go to a dying world, that they might choose you, that they might have opportunity become sons of God. With much knowledge comes much responsibility. Father, you have given this church, you have given this body so much light, so much knowledge. Let us not squander this great gift, for we will be held accountable. Lord, forgive us our sins. Cleanse us. Search our hearts. See if there be any wicked way in us that these things might bubble up and come to the surface. You throw... Lord, you, you cast no unworthy stones into the fire. So Lord, I pray you would... that we would choose you. That you might purify us, that we might be a fit vessel, I pray. That you might be glorified and not us. In Jesus' name we pray. For his sake we pray. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.